Good morning. Today's reading is from Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. Listen to God's word. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be, to, be God. to God. Thank you, Jerry. Well, if you've been here for the past few weeks, you know we've been in a series uh, dealing with the idea of sharing our faith with others. And uh, last week we showed you a little video story of someone who shared their faith with someone else and how that impacted their lives. We call these fishing stories, and we've got another fishing story for you this morning, so I direct your attention now to the monitors as we hear about Mindy and Aaron. I moved to Virginia in 2014, and we ended up moving on to the same street as Mindy and her family. The first time I remember meeting Aaron was at a neighborhood block party, and um, I just remember thinking, man, she is lively, she's outgoing, she's funny, um, and, and from there we just started to hang out with our daughters and um, go to the playground and get, we started to get to know each other. Well, we would go on these walks at night and, you know, it was pretty casual. We could recap our day and talk about the girls and this and that and my California native self getting accustomed to Virginia. One night I, we were walking and we started talking about marriage and Erin let, you know, let me know about many of the struggles that she was having in her marriage and we, we just talked about that and that's when I first started to get the feeling that I needed to invite her to church. I would go home at night after those walks my heart would just be so heavy and I would, I would pray to God, I would say, God, please, you know, just give me the courage, make me fearless to ask Erin to church and... You know, I kept praying that, and one night, I really felt like the Holy Spirit was like right in my ear saying, Mindy, share me, please, share your faith, share share me with Aaron. So I don't remember exactly what I said that night, but something to the effect of, hey, Aaron, I'd really love it if you'd go to Ebenezer with me. I think it's a really safe place for you to learn about Jesus, and I think it would really help you with the struggles that you're going on, that are going on in your life right now. I finally decided to come to Ebenezer when Mindy invited me for the third time. Talk about some perseverance, that one over there. She um, asked the second time, and I don't remember what I said. And probably two months or so after we began walking, possibly three, she asked one more time if I would come to Ebenezer. And um, I thought about it, and the God-honest truth, there was no reason to say no. I was the only person standing in my way, and so I said yes. 
I believe that my faith has changed from inviting Aaron to church. Um, it just reminded me how God uses all the pieces in your life for good. He is so big, and it's just reminded me that sometimes it's okay to be uncomfortable, and it's okay to get out of your comfort zone to do things for Him and help grow His kingdom. I've had a lot of changes in my life. Um, the simplest one is that I can find a lot of simple joys in everything, and um, I'm able to give praise about just the simplest things, and that's awesome. I remember doing um, the miracles Jesus performed recently, and through that sermon series, I just thought, oh, that's Mindy and her family. That's a miracle that she was placed in my life, and that somebody, the Holy Spirit, was nudging her to keep asking me, um, because through our friendship, I've found my faith. And I've become a Christian, and I'm an active member here at Ebenezer, and so I've had a lot of growth. I really want people to know that through Erin finding Jesus, she lives her life now with the grace and love of Jesus. She seeks God out first in everything she does, everything, and it's really made a difference in her life. While she still has the same struggles, she's praying and she's seeking God's will for her life right now. Let's pray together. Lord God, we're thankful for stories like this that encourage us and remind us that you are still at work in this world and in our lives. And we thank you for Mindy and for Aaron and for their faith and the way you continue to work to build us up in your kingdom. Now, Lord, we turn our attention to your word because it has power to build us up and to encourage us. And so we ask that you would help us by your spirit to be open and receptive to whatever you want to do today. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. So I've got a question for you this morning. Do you ever feel awkward or uncomfortable talking to other people about your faith? I mean, at your job, or maybe at school, or maybe at a neighborhood barbecue, or in your carpool, if a spiritual conversation comes up, do you start to feel a little awkward and uncomfortable? And maybe you want to change the direction of the conversation and avoid it. Do you just feel like you're not prepared, not ready to say something? If you feel that way, you're not alone. Research has indicated that good Christian people like you and me who go to church on a regular basis and love the Lord, we are very uncomfortable talking about our faith. We can do it here in, in church, but when we're out there in the so-called real world, we... We sometimes struggle to navigate conversations in such a way that we can share our faith in a way that seems natural and normal to us. I remember back in the mid-90s when we first moved here to Stafford, I, I joined a gym uh, right near our house. And uh, nobody at the gym knew I was a Christian or knew that I was a pastor. Nobody ever asked, and it's not like I wore a t-shirt every time I worked out that said, hey, I'm a pastor. You know, so... Uh, I would go there three times a week to, to exercise, and I'm one of those persons, I don't like to talk a lot at the gym, I like to just get in there, do my exercises, and get out. I have my headphones in, I'm listening to music, and I mean, I'll, I'll be polite, I'll wave to people or nod to people who nod to me, but, I, but I'm not there to socialize. But at this particular gym, there was one guy who was there to socialize. His name was Bill, and Bill was a talker. He was older, he was retired, he, he didn't have a lot to do, and uh, you could just tell when Bill came in, 
uh, he wanted to visit with people. And he would. He, he'd sit at the, the, the desk and talk to the person running the desk at the gym for, for several minutes. Then he'd get up and he'd, he'd go to the locker room. Then he'd come out to, to start his exercise. But before he started exercising, he'd go to different people who were working out and he'd stop them and talk with them for a few minutes. And, and he always came by and said hi to me. We didn't have a lot to say to each other, but I, I'd pull my earphones out and listen to Bill because basically when you had a conversation, you did mostly listening to Bill. He was a talker. And he'd tell stories. He, he would tell me stories about what he did over the weekend. And almost always his stories had to do with fishing on his boat and drinking copious amounts of beer. Sometimes he would come by and he'd tell me a little off-color joke that he thought was kind of funny. And, you know, he didn't know I was a pastor and I didn't tell him. And, you know, <laughs> you can see where this one's going, yeah. Sometimes Bill would come over and kind of, you know, in a sneaky sort of way, he'd do this and point at some girl on the treadmill and explain to me, he'd explain to me what part of her anatomy he found most compelling. So, so this is Bill. Lots of salty language, you know, just a lot of inappropriate humor. And, you know, I, I tried to be nice to him. I didn't encourage that, but I tried to be nice and, uh, you know, he wasn't there for very long before he'd move on to somebody else and I'd get back to my workout. Then one day it happened. Uh, I was there working out and he came over and started telling me about his weekend. I think it was another fishing story that involved lots of beer. And then I don't know why he never asked me anything about myself before, but this time he said, Hey, do you, do you work around here? And I said, well, yeah, I, I work at Ebenezer United Methodist church, not far from here, just a couple miles. He got this kind of awkward look on his face. <laughs> he said, well, what do you do there? And I said, uh, I'm the pastor. <laughs> now he got this really awkward look on his face. And quite frankly, I was feeling a little awkward too. I, I didn't know what to do, what to say. I, I suppose, looking back on it, I wish I had said, Hey, Bill, we, we'd love to have you come visit our church sometime. You know, if, if you'd like, you're, you're welcome there. But I was, I was too caught up in the awkwardness of this conversation. And I was awkward and he was awkward and I was uncomfortable and he was uncomfortable. And finally, he said, well, he said, you're, you're a pastor. No split. Well, he didn't say split, but, but then, then he, then he said, I just want you to know, I, I, I really have a lot of respect for what people like you do. He says, I'm not much of a church person myself. I mean, I believe, but, I don't go to church. And, and then he started to walk away. He said, hey, you know, say a good word for the man upstairs to me, for, for me. And uh, he walked off and, and I waved and put my earplugs back in and went back to my workout. Next time I was at the gym, Bill came in. He, he didn't come over and talk to me. <laughs> he was polite. He waved from a different distance, but he didn't come over. And I, I think maybe I scared him off. I don't know, but... I tell you that story, though, because I think it illustrates what we all sometimes intuitively feel. You know, when we're here in church, talking about God and Jesus and spiritual things seems natural and normal. But when we leave this place and go out to our communities, to our places of work, to, to our neighborhoods, to the ball fields, wherever we go, when, when you get in spiritual conversations, it feels kind of awkward. You wonder if it's even appropriate, right? There, there are two dimensions to church. One is called the church gathered, 
When we come together on Sundays to worship, we're the church gathered. We gather together to celebrate God's grace and goodness and to give Him thanks and to remind ourselves of who we are as His people. That's the church gathered. But there's another dimension of the church. It's the church scattered. When we leave here, we go out into the world to be the church. See, there's never a time when we're not the church. We're the church here. We're the church out there. We kind of understand how to be the church here. We're not sure how to be the church out there. The church scattered. And so we struggle when conversations start to take a spiritual turn because we don't know exactly what to do. So welcome back to our series called Go Fish. And in this series, we're talking about how to have conversations about spiritual things with people in a way that seems natural and normal and hopefully not too awkward. But i got to tell you, it's going to be a little awkward when you're out there because we're not used to having conversations outside of the church gathered. And in this series, we're calling it Go Fish because we're looking at how Jesus, when he called his first disciples, they were the first four disciples Jesus called were all professional fishermen. And when Jesus called them, he said to them, hey, you've been out there fishing for fish. Now follow me and I'll teach you how to fish for people. You've been fishermen. Now I'm going to teach you how to be fishers of men. And so Jesus taught the disciples how to reach out and have spiritual conversations and invite people to be part of his kingdom because the kingdom of God only grows by invitation. And so we've been looking at that. And this morning's scripture lesson is another important part of this story. Jesus now has died on the cross and risen from the dead. He's appeared to his disciples many times, and he's now just about ready to go back up into heaven until his second coming. We don't know when that's going to happen, but we know he's coming back. But but just before he left, he gathered the disciples together one more time, and he said, now listen, listen, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. He uses that word witness. And that word witness is actually a legal term. It comes from the courtroom. You you probably know what it means. A witness is someone who, who in a court of law, gives testimony about what they've seen, what they've heard, what they've experienced. And the the goal of the testimony is to convince the jury uh, of whatever it is that the the lawyer is trying to prove or disprove. And so uh, the, the, the purpose of a witness is to help make an argument in favor of something. And so Jesus is telling his disciples, you know, you're going out in there in the courtroom of the world and uh, you're to be witnesses. You're to, you're to give testimony as to who I am and what I can do and what I continue to do in hopes that people will, will see that and as the Spirit helps, will be persuaded to be part of my kingdom. And so that's what the disciples did. If you read on through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit does come. They do receive power. And the, the rest of the Bible, really, is all about the beginnings of the church and the work that the church is doing in the world to reach people. And and what started in the city of Jerusalem expanded to the region of Judea, on into Samaria, and as Jesus said, to the ends of the earth. And it's still ongoing today. And you and I today are the modern day witnesses given power by the Holy Spirit to share our faith with others So they can come to know our testimony about how good God is and what Jesus has done. But let's be honest, this is a bold adventure Jesus calls us to, and we're not always comfortable going on this bold adventure. I mean, you you heard Mindy tell her story, how, you know, she felt kind of awkward and unsure, but she had to get outside of her comfort zone to be willing to have a spiritual conversation. And the Spirit helped her do that, but it was difficult for her at first. Can I tell you, it is difficult to do, especially in the the world in which we live 
today. But that's how we give our testimony. We take that chance knowing that the Spirit will help us. And yet when we don't take that chance, we often shrink back from the opportunity to give testimony. And when we shrink back, we often tell ourselves two falsehoods that keep us from getting outside our comfort zone. Two falsehoods we often tell ourselves to justify not bearing witness to the goodness of God when we're the church scattered out into the world. And what I want to do this morning is just talk briefly about these two falsehoods we often tell ourselves and look at how we can replace those falsehoods with truth. Truth that will encourage us and empower us to rely on the Holy Spirit and to have some of those awkward conversations. So two falsehoods that we replace with truth. Here's the first falsehood. Sometimes what we tell ourselves is, I can't witness to somebody, I can't share my faith because, frankly, I'm not a very good Christian. I'm just not good enough to share my faith. I I don't know Bible verses to quote. I don't have answers to a lot of people's questions. And, you know, the, the people who witness their faith and talk about the Lord, they're the really mature Christians. They're the, they're the ones that read their Bible and pray all the time. They're the really, they're the super Christians. I'm just kind of an ordinary Christian. And I know I need to get better as a Christian, but I'm a far cry from the kind of person who could go out and talk about a faith to somebody else. You know, if you're like me, you can probably recall times in your life when you weren't the best Christian. If you're like me, you can remember times when you said things or did things that you know uh, did not help your Christian witness. And sometimes when we're in a situation where we can share our faith, those memories come to mind and hold us back. We say, well, how can I talk about my faith in Jesus after the way I acted at last year's Christmas party? How, how, can, I, how can I talk to my neighbors about Jesus when some of them were there on the soccer field and they saw how I behaved on the sideline at my kid's soccer game when the call didn't go our way? How do I share Jesus after what I said at the Homeowners Association meeting when I was frustrated? How do I... Talk about Jesus to co-workers who have already lost respect for me because of the way in which I have these outbursts of anger sometimes. See, what we do is we remind ourselves that we're not great Christians and we think that because we're not great Christians, we can't bear witness to what God is doing in our lives. We feel like it would be false advertising. We feel like people would just look at us and say, you hypocrite. So we don't say anything. And we just hope we'll get better as Christians and then maybe someday we'll say something. But, you know, the word hypocrite is an interesting word. There there are really two definitions of a hypocrite. One definition of a hypocrite is someone who is intentionally phony. Somebody who wears a mask. In fact, that's where the word comes from. Back in the days of the Greek plays, when they had a shortage of actors, uh, actors would have to play numerous roles, and so they would just hold up a mask to play a different character. And so... To wear a mask meant to be a hypocrite. And and so there's a sense in which this word hypocrite means someone who's intentionally deceiving somebody, trying to be somebody that they know they're not, uh, kind of a con con man, right? That's a form of hypocrisy, and that's, that's what a hypocrite is. But then there's this other definition of a hypocrite that we're also familiar with. A hypocrite is somebody who doesn't always live up to the standards they profess, right? Your standards are up here, but your practices maybe aren't always up there. You you slip, you mess up. Now, that first kind of hypocrite, the, the, the person who wears a mask to pretend and to fool, my guess is most of us in this room as Christians are not that kind of a hypocrite. 
But the truth is we're all that other kind of hypocrite. We all have those times and places in our lives when we don't live up to the standards we profess. We all fall short. None of us are super Christians. That's why, that's why when somebody says, you know, uh, golly, I, I don't want to go to church with all those hypocrites. I want to say to them, hey, you can come on down. We, we got room for one more. Because whether you're a Christian or not, you're a hypocrite. Right? Because none of us, whether you're in the church or not in the church, none of us always live up to our standards or the high standards we profess. Now, the only people who actually live up to their standards are people who have really low standards. For the rest of us, we don't always live up. But that can't stop us from sharing our testimony, or at least it shouldn't. Just, just be honest about it. Just to say, hey, you know what? I, I'm not a perfect person. I mess up sometimes. But God loves me anyway. And Jesus has offered me grace. Because you see, when it comes to sharing our story and giving a testimony and being a witness, it's really not about how good you are. It's about how great Jesus is. Amen? See, that's the key. You don't focus on how, hey, I'm so good, you ought to be like me. That's not witnessing. That's, that's bragging and that's wrong. You say, look, I'm a, I'm a fallen sinner like everybody else and I don't always live up to my standards and, and, but God is working on me. I'm, I'm trying to grow in my faith and get better. But here's what I know when I stumble and fall. Jesus forgives me. God still loves me. I mean, what, what we do matters, certainly. You, you want to pay attention to behavior. Bible says we're ambassadors for Christ. Bible says live your life as an example for others. So, so our behavior does matter, but, but at the end of the day, our behavior is never good enough. People always notice the flaws because those flaws are obvious to everybody, including the Lord who loves us in spite of them. So just say, Hey, I'm not a perfect Christian, but I don't have to be. And, uh, I'm not going to be. I'm a growing Christian who sometimes has good days and sometimes has bad days. But on all days, God loves me and Jesus died for me and the Holy Spirit is helping to make changes in my life. Ruth Graham, before she died, was driving on a highway in North Carolina and had to go through a construction, road construction uh, site. And it was several miles and it was bumpy and difficult and slow and when she finally got past it, there was a sign right at the end of the construction zone that said, End of construction. Thank you for your patience. And Ruth decided on that day, that's what I want on my tombstone when I die. End of construction. Thanks for your patience. And when she died, that's what they put on her tombstone. And the same is true of you and me and everybody in this life. We're under construction. So people just have to be patient and we have to be patient with other people. See, it's not about... How good I am. It's about how great Jesus is. And so you can just say to people, look, look, I'm not who I'm going to be. But praise God, I'm not who I used to be either. I'm in process. And when we understand that, we realize I've got, I can give a testimony. Because I may be a hypocrite, but I'm a forgiven hypocrite. I'm a redeemed hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite who the Spirit is working to make me better. He who began a good work in me will bring it to completion. And until that day, i got to bear testimony and bear witness. So that's the first falsehood. The first falsehood says, I'm not a good enough Christian to bear witness. And the, you replace that with the truth. It's not about how good you are. It's about how great Jesus is. We're all in a process of growing. Now, here's the second falsehood that we've got to keep and we, we, we've got to overcome. Uh, 
the first falsehood that says, I, I, I can't bear witness because I'm, I'm just not good enough. The second falsehood says, I'm just going to let my deeds do all the talking and I'm not going to say anything. I'll, I'll just, I'll just live a Christian life and be a nice person and, and people will just see the light shining in me and through me. I don't need to say anything. I can just demonstrate what it means to be a Christian by how I live my life and, it's, this is kind of the opposite side of the coin of the first falsehood. The first falsehood says my actions aren't good enough, so I'm not going to talk about it. Second falsehood says my actions are pretty good, so I don't need to talk about it. Now, it is true that actions speak louder than words. Actions matter. We've already said that. People would rather see a sermon than hear one any day. There's some truth to that. But, hey, let's not assume that people see your good life and automatically come to the conclusion, oh, they must know Jesus. Let's not assume that because you're a nice person, because you took a casserole to your next door neighbor after their back surgery, or that you give blood, uh, the community blood drive, or that you, you you know, you you go to the homeless shelter once a week, or, or you don't assume because you're doing that sort of thing that people automatically figure it out. Oh, you're a Christian. Jesus is working you. How can I have that? That doesn't happen. It just doesn't. The truth is, deeds, actions, add credibility to our words, but they don't replace our words. We must share verbally our faith. We have to declare the glories, the Bible says, declare the glories of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous life. Tell the good news, the Bible says. You know, the early Christians, when the church spread and grew in Christianity, it was like a wildfire taken over. The early Christians were known for two things. They were known for their compassionate, sacrificial, good works, but they were also known for their bold proclamation of the good news. It was both doing and telling. In fact, when the early Christians would pray, you read the prayers of many of the early Christians in the the Bible, you'll notice they don't pray for comfort, they don't pray for security, they don't pray for an easy life. You know what they pray for? They pray for boldness, courage, opportunity, to tell the world what Jesus has done for them. And the church spread like wildfire. There's that old hymn, I love to tell the story. Right? you got to tell the story. you got to be willing to say something. Notice how Mindy, Mindy had to get over her fear. She couldn't just be a good friend. By just listening, she had to say something. And when the Holy Spirit began working on her, she said, I gotta tell Aaron, I gotta invite her to church, I gotta say something. She didn't say to herself, Well, as long as I'm just a good friend to Aaron, she'll figure it out. She didn't do that. She knew. About thirty years ago, or excuse me, about nine years ago, Mercedes Benz did a commercial. Uh, it was sort of a mock interview with their CEO. It's kind of like a sixty minutes kind of commercial. Uh, and uh they had this guy interviewing the CEO about this new braking technology that Mercedes-Benz had invented and developed, and it gave them a competitive advantage in the marketplace. This braking technology was, was a significant advancement and, and made Mercedes-Benz cars very safe, safer than just about any other car on the road. And, and the interviewer asked the CEO about it, and he, he describes how important this technology was and the, the market advantage that Mercedes-Benz would have if they kept it to themselves. But instead, Mercedes-Benz decided freely to share that technology with all the other automakers. And the interviewer said, well, you lost your competitive advantage. You, you, you lost your market advantage in doing that. Why would you just freely share this technology? And the CEO says, because some things 
are too important not to share. My friends, when it comes to the Lord's work in your life and in my life and in our world, some things are just too important not to share. Mindy understood that. And now Aaron is part of God's kingdom because the Holy Spirit worked through her and through her words and through her deeds. And but see, because, because we want to avoid that awkward, that awkward initial conversation, we think, I'll just be nice. I'll just bring a casserole. I'll, I'll, I'll just, you know, try to be friendly. But it's got to get one step past that. You got to get outside the comfort zone and the Holy Spirit will meet you there and you'll have, as Jesus says, you'll have the power to be His witness. So by all means, let's do good in the world. Let's give blood and donate to the food bank and tutor at-risk kids and support worthy causes. Deeds are important. They add credibility to our words. But they don't replace words. It was April of 1855 when Edward Kimball walked into a shoe store in Boston. He was there to see a young man named Dwight. Dwight had started coming to Edward's Sunday school class at church. Dwight, Dwight had just turned 18, and Edward was a just an ordinary Christian teaching a Sunday school class for young adult boys, men. And uh, Dwight had moved to Boston to take a job at his uncle's shoe store. And Dwight's uncle insisted that if you're going to work for him, you got to go to church. So Dwight went to this church because his uncle made him go. And he wanted the job. He needed the job. And And yet, when he sat in Sunday school, he was bored and disinterested. And the occasional comments he did made made it very clear to his teacher, Edward, that, you know, Dwight's not a Christian, not interested in spiritual things. And yet, the Holy Spirit was working on Edward Kimball to have a spiritual conversation with Dwight. And so, on that April day in 1855, during his lunch break, Edward walked to that shoe store and met Dwight in the back room, the stock room of the shoe store and shared Jesus with him and asked him if he wanted to accept Jesus as his Lord and his Savior. And Dwight said yes. And on that day, Dwight L. Moody became a Christian and went on to become one of the great preachers and evangelists of the 1800s. And if the story were to end there about an ordinary Christian named Edward Kimball taking a risk and having a conversation with Dwight L. Moody, if it were to end there, that'd be a great story, but it doesn't end there. See, Dwight L. Moody went on to lead Wilbur Chapman to Christ. Wilbur Chapman then became a great preacher and evangelist. And one day in 1887 in Chicago, Wilbur Chapman was preaching revival services on a Saturday afternoon and a baseball player named Billy Sunday went to the revival just to see what it was about. Happened to have the day off, wasn't playing ball that day and Actually, went to just kind of mock the Christians, but as Wilbur preached, Billy Sunday felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, gave his heart to Jesus. And maybe you've heard of the name Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday went on to be a great preacher and evangelist, led many people to Christ. One of the persons he led to Christ was a guy named Mordecai Ham. And uh, Mordecai Ham became a preacher and evangelist for the Billy Sunday Crusades. And eventually, when Billy retired, Mordecai Ham took it all over and went around preaching and then. On November 1st of 1934 in Charlotte, North Carolina, Mordecai Ham, leading a revival service on a Friday evening, invited anybody who wanted to accept Jesus at the end of the service to come down and give their heart to Jesus. And a few people did. One of them, a tall, lanky 17-year-old named Billy Graham. 
And Billy Graham has gone on to reach a few people for Christ. An estimated 12 million have come to faith because of the Billy Graham ministries. From Dwight Moody to Wilbur Chapman to Billy Sunday to Mordecai Ham to Billy Graham and beyond, the kingdom of God expands throughout the world by invitation. And yes, you can say, well, all those guys were all professionals. They were preachers and evangelists. Yes, but where did it all start? It started in a shoe store with an ordinary Christian named Edward Kimball who was willing to get over his awkward feelings and have a conversation. Because Edward knew that when it comes to being a witness... It's not about how good you are. It's about how, it's about how great Jesus is. And kindness is important. It adds credibility to your words, but it doesn't replace words. You know, I don't know whatever happened to Bill, the guy at the gym. Uh, that gym actually ended up closing a few years later, and I went on to another gym and never run into Bill since. I don't even know if he's still alive. But sometimes my mind goes back to that day. And I, I try to imagine how I could have had a different conversation with Bill and what I could have said and how I could have said it. And uh, the Holy Spirit then reminds me that there's no room for regret. There'll be other opportunities. I just need to be willing to respond when the Holy Spirit leads me and not force something, but be willing to share something when the time is right. Because this is a bold adventure we're on and it requires some boldness. And Edward Kimball, if he were here, he'd tell you. Aaron and Mindy already told you, so let me just encourage you. Go fishing for people. Be a witness. Wherever life takes you, when the opportunity presents itself, don't be afraid to say something. Because some things are too important not to share. And who knows what God might do through ordinary Christians like me and you.